Lead me to some soul today. Welcome, everyone, uh, to episode number eight of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, uh, we'll be focusing, focusing on evangelism. And we have many goals, but one of our goals is to try to stir each other up. Stir us up. The Bible talks about stirring up the love and good works. And we want to try to do that, but especially in the area of reaching our family and our friends and our neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the elders. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Franklin, Indiana is about 20 miles south of Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis, so that gives you a visual of where we are. Those of you that know me know that, that I'm passionate about evangelism, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. I know everybody knows where Owensboro, Kentucky is, um, but I've always been striving to teach others to use some Bible phrases. I've, I've always strived to, to learn how to sow the seed, how to be a, a fisher for men, how to make disciples, how to persuade men and women, and how to teach others to teach. And I've been, I've been using this verse uh, for the last couple of uh, interviews, but remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And, and that's what we're trying to do. So I came up with this idea to identify other Christians, to, to identify men and women that are fellow workers, if you will, who are reaching others, who are leading others to Christ. And once we've identified them, to interview them. And, and we want to learn more about them. We want to learn who they are. Why, why, why are they so motivated to lead others to Christ? And how are they doing their work uh, where they are and where are they working currently? So we are so excited today to have someone with us that I'm convinced that we're gonna be able to learn a lot from. Uh, and we have Nick Richard with us today from Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, where uh, uh, he's gonna tell us about himself here in a few minutes, but welcome, uh, Nick. Thank you, thank you, Dan. Good to be with you uh, this morning, and uh, hope the things that we'll talk will will be beneficial to we talk about will be beneficial to me because I need help. <laughs> uh, but and likewise to you and, and those who would be listening uh, to this. Well, uh, thank you so much, and you'll see me uh, as as I'm listening to you today. I've, I've got my yellow pad here, and I'm taking notes <laughs> like crazy. So uh, you're with the uh, the Low Country Church of Christ. Yes, that's correct. Probably about, uh, I guess now it's been close to 15 years ago, we, we started that work. Um, and it was maybe four families. And the, the motivation was, uh, there was one sound congregation in the area. Uh, and um, there was just a need for, for spreading the message of the gospel. Uh, even as a new Christian, uh, what becomes evident and, and clear is that it was God's intent that this message be spread. Uh, you know, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go. Um, and there's just no way of saying that's not our responsibility. And so that sort of lit a fire in me from day one, that this was something that as a child of God, if I'm going to be faithful, I have to do. I have to participate in this. I have to share uh, in this. Um, I'm not 
a, a full-time evangelist for a local congregation. I've never been a full-time uh, evangelist that way, um, but I've always seen myself as sort of the Barnabas, the Silas. But let me partner with. Uh, let me be the Timothy. <laughs> let me let me let me partner with. Um, I can I can teach. I can learn. I can help. I can share in this labor of love. It's supposed to be a labor of love for all of us. And that's the way I, I've been able to, to participate in this, typically working with the full-time evangelists and, and going, knowing that they need support as well, you know, two by two, as it were. Uh, they need someone they can depend upon, and not just uh, uh, myself, but also my wife um, and, well, even our children. <laughs> um, uh, so we went as a family. <laughs> uh, but we, we wanted to try to support work, and so we started that work in, in low country, um, I just uh, returned home. I was gone for about five years, came back to uh, September 2019 uh, to re-engage in this work. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. So many things you said there that were, I could take off on, but um, just like one of them, uh, and I, I've told almost every time uh, I've said that I want to keep this positive, right? I want to focus on the good things that are going on and the good things that we can do. But something you triggered there, and I'm just going to say it, you don't have to comment, but why is it or what has happened in, in so many congregations, Nick, where the average member, if you can say that, the, the average Christian, they do not realize that it's their responsibility to share the gospel. They think it's the preacher's job or, or the elder's job. And then in some places, the elders don't even see that as their role. Uh, that it, so. Anyway, but you, you've seen that, right? That in some places, the Christians just haven't understood that. I mean, just what, what's a thought? I will ask you, what, what do you think it is? What have we missed? Well, I think part of it is just it's easy to get complacent. Uh, it, is, it is an innate nature within the human, human being um, to, uh, to get to a point where we perceive we've arrived. And so maybe when there's not much of anything, maybe a small group of Christians uh, feel like they're struggling, they get a building, they get some consistency in attendance, uh, and then there's this feeling that we've arrived. And then, you know, we, we look towards, uh, you know, the evangelists uh, and the um, um, overseers to be responsible for the work, and it actually becomes their work. And, we, and, and sometimes we, we don't understand or conclude Ephesians chapter 4 correctly, you know, where the idea is that those roles, like the evangelist and the overseer, is designed to equip, to equip the saints for the work of service or the work of ministry. And so they equip so that, you know, we can go and do, certainly they have to be involved as well, but not just them, the rest of the congregation. And so I actually think part of it is as, as evangelists and, 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 and uh, overseers, uh, and I served as an overseer uh, in, a, in a previous life, we don't sometimes communicate to the, the, the local flock that, you know, this is our work. This is something we have to do and then the, the part of the responsibility of the elders to help to equip uh, the saints to do that. How do we figure out ways to improve uh, understanding, uh, to provide some level of teaching so that the members can feel comfortable going out and teach? How do we partner with them? So it may be that the members uh, will never feel you know, comfortable completely you know, going to their neighbor. But it might be that the same neighbor that they see every day, they, they would feel comfortable inviting them over to their home to have someone else come and sit with them uh, and that they can watch. Uh, and, and, and what can we do to help uh, the members be engaged in the work 
And that should be a constant thought. How do I help God's people serve God the way God says? Wow. Uh, again, so I, I say wow a lot, but uh, uh, I think that uh, what you said there of, of uh, a whole other, maybe we need to do a series of interviews, just interviewing shepherds around the country of how they see their work. But, uh, you know, then the scriptures pretty strongly imply that the shepherds are supposed to be leading the flock, right? And, right. If, if, and if they're not involved in evangelism, the sheep are probably not going to be either. So the leaders, the leaders have to set that example. Um, and uh, again, so that that's part of our focus on uh, one of our goals with doing these interviews, as I said earlier, is try to stir people up and say, Hey, um, you know, why are we not doing this? And, and what can we do to get going again? Uh, because there's a lot of people, you know, we look, of course, we're right in the middle of this coronavirus mess and we're seeing all the news every day of all the people that are infected and all the people that are dying. And, but, you know, we've got people that are infected with sin. It's concerned about them, it seems, at times is, I don't know. It's just, uh, don't get me going here. This I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, would you tell us, I know when we talked to the other, we talked the other day and you shared a little bit about uh, your personal story of where you and your wife uh, learned the truth and, and became Christians. Would you mind just taking a couple of minutes and sharing some of that with us? Uh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. I think it fits well with uh, within the framework of what we're hoping to accomplish. To, as we think about evangelism and, and, you know, what can I do? What is effective? And what, what better place to start than to reflect upon what was effective in my life? When we, me, me and my wife obeyed the gospel, and it was something as simple as a man inviting us over for dinner. Um, but you could tell that as a matter of life, that's who he was. I was in the military at that time, certainly was uh, worldly, as worldly could, could get. I was immersed in the world uh, by uh, conduct, by attire, um, and, and um, this was the life I was living. Um, but was trying to come out of that, and in, in truth, was trying to find God. And uh, we, my wife had um, just moved to California, where I was stationed. We were trying to find a, a congregation, a home church, as it were, and, and that's the language that I was brought up with in the denomination, from a denominational background. And uh, we had found, uh, the, or took a, a fancy to, um, you know, more of the charismatic type uh, churches. And... Um, I remember one night where the, 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 we were at a revival and the, the preacher said, you know, when I say this one thing, everybody in here is going to catch the Holy Spirit. And so um, it was the night that I made up my mind that, you know, I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be real. I'm going to stop playing church. I call it playing church. I'm going to stop playing church and I want to be sincere and, and, and honest. And so he said this one thing and everyone in there, I mean, they, they felt something that I did not. And, and I'm praying and I'm begging and, and nothing's happening. And I just thought that I was just the worst person on planet earth. Went home that, that night and I prayed in tears, you know, Lord, you know, if you just show me the truth, I'll believe it. I mean, we talk about complete surrender. I was, a, I was a broken man internally because I really wanted to try to do what was right. That was it. That was my motivation. No other uh, uh, element. I wasn't trying to be somebody. And uh, I came down on a special assignment to, to go to Turkey. Um, and, you know, they wanted to cancel my assignment at the base, and they couldn't. They tried to. Um, I needed a, I needed a uh, security a clearance. So they said they were not going to get my security clearance. Um, and they waited to the last minute. 
and sent to uh, Turkey and said, well, he doesn't have his clearance. And they say, send him anyway. Uh, and so I get there and the gentleman that would be my sponsor, every new soldier coming into that area would have a sponsor. Uh, he was a member of the church. Um, and he didn't say, hey, I'm a member of the church. He just was, he met me at the, the airport. My family helped us get settled in the hotel, invited us over to a for a meal. We came over for a meal. Never one time said anything it's about, uh, let's study the Bible or anything like that. But I saw their manner of life. I saw that he was a spiritual man. I saw that his children had Bible homework that they had to complete before they could do their regular homework. And he checked it out. I saw that he was invested in, in their lives. Just a glimpse of what God-fearing person look, looks like. And it, it pricked my heart to, uh, in a negative way because I felt my pride kick in that I need to prove that I was just as smart as everybody else, even though no one was asking me to be smart. And so I said, you know, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. He says, no, it doesn't say that. And so he showed me the scripture, and I read it, and it said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and, and so I said, what kind of translation do you have here? Because <laughs> I need to fight back. And so as our conversation went on, I kept saying dumb things. That just wasn't true. And he kept showing me in the scripture what the Bible actually said. He did not attack me. He did not demean me. He didn't try to make me feel lower. Uh, but in just simplicity and humility, he just kept going back to the war. And it was the word then that convicted me. And so we started studying, and I just didn't get enough. I just didn't believe all this stuff was in the Bible the whole time. And we sitting there making it up growing up, you know. So I'm calling my mom and say, hey, you know. Um, but the, the, the short end of that story is shortly thereafter, I obeyed the gospel. My wife obeyed the gospel, and me, but I started teaching. Um, in fact, uh, a week after obeying the gospel, there was another gentleman, his family, that came to Turkey uh, where we worked. And so I'm, I'm talking to the gentleman that taught me the gospel. I says, hey, have you gone over there and talked to them? He says, yes, uh, but they've rejected it. And I couldn't believe it. And so I said, well, I need to go talk to them. And these folks were still in the hotel. They hadn't gotten their apartment or home yet. Uh, we've met one time for like 30 minutes, maybe, that I met the husband. And there I went with my Bible to the hotel to teach to them Jesus Christ. Wow. And as we're, we're talking, they let me in. And as we're talking, they're asking a number of questions that I did not know. All I knew was what I did to be saved. And that's what I taught them. And told them I prayed with them. I told them to think deeply on these things. And then on the next day, both he and his wife obeyed the gospel. Uh, and they, they still serve the Lord till, till this day. Uh, now, uh, and that's some 20-some-odd uh, years ago <laughs> uh, or more. And, um, but but the, 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 the point of that story is this gentleman who taught me the gospel was not an evangelist. He was not an, an overseer. He was a member of the body, yes. and he lived that life. No greater uh, power of communicating the message of the gospel than in a life that is committed to those principles that we see in the scriptures. Uh, it will speak volumes if you live Christ, and it did. And it, it's what asked me or forced me to ask questions uh, or to engage. I engaged uh, by uh, what I saw, and as a result of that, not only was me and my household uh, saved, uh, but also then this young family, you know, they were taught the gospel uh, and they were saved. And then, you know, anyone that we taught then as a result, see, now they were taught and saved as a result of just godly, one person, one family, says him and his wife, his wife, very humble, very meek, gentle, kind, sweet, salt of the earth, uh, just good, godly living and conduct had a significant impact on us. Wow, what, what a great story. Uh, uh, 
you know, and uh, this has been coming up in every interview. This is number eight, but everyone tells a story, and that's why I wanted you to tell yours. Uh, what if, you know, it's what if sponsor had not invited you over, invited you to over for dinner? What, and then you would not have been able to see the way he was interacting with his children and their Bible studies, right? You wouldn't have seen that because you wouldn't have been there. So what if, and then what if you had not gone to the hotel to talk to that family and they're Christians to this day, but what if Nick had not taken the time to go over there? We've got to understand the power that's behind all of this and, uh, and, and make application of the th- we've We know a lot of things, but we oftentimes we don't go out and make application of it. But, uh, well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Another little tidbit to answer the what if. Turkey is a 92%, at that time it was a 92% Muslim country. In a 92% Muslim country, we became Christians. Yes. And what if he had not said anything? What would be the overwhelming influence in the place where we would be? It would be a completely different religion that is false. And maybe because we were searching for God in the absence of someone living and willing to communicate the message, I might, or my family might, will have drifted into a false God, which is not God at all. You know, it's, uh, and once we start talking like that and thinking that way, how can we not be appreciative of what God has done for us where we won't even at least take what we know and share it? Because we know God knows the hearts of everybody. He knew your heart. He knew your wife's heart. And uh, who knows? You know, we don't understand the providence of God, but it, I don't, it may not be a coincidence that he ended up being your sponsor. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, I get all goosebumps with that. but. Uh, uh, God is at work and we need to be out there doing our part of sowing and watering. And now your uh, occupation wise, I want to share this, but you're, you're an IT guy, right? Professional. Yeah. Tell everybody just real quick what you do every day. <laughs> well, that sort of varies, <laughs> but um, um, I've done a number of different things in the IT area. Um, I've done desktop support, server support, um, sort of backend stuff, cloud stuff. Um, you've heard the term cloud. I've done some cloud support. Um, I've managed IT departments. Um, I was formerly a CIO for a small hospital. So I've been in healthcare uh, for healthcare IT for the last 20 plus years. And currently I, I work for as a consultant. And what we do, we work with various hospitals to help them uh, install software, uh, come up with solutions that's going to help them sort of increase revenue, sometimes help patients. Um, so clinical on the clinical side, sometimes on the revenue side. So I do a little bit of everything uh, in the healthcare IT space. So, uh, you know, the way my mind works, and, and we don't have time, but Nick comes, con- Nick comes in contact with a lot of people yeah. through the normal course of your work, right? Yes. And I know from what I, I don't know you that well, but just from what I've heard, I know you're listening and watching for opportunities to bring up things about about Christ and bring up spiritual things as you interact with people. Um, that's a whole other thing that we that that people sometimes don't know or don't think about those opportunities that they have. Um, to that point, can I add to what you said because it fits well within the framework of what we're talking about? When I, when I was at the hospital, my last hospital, um, I asked could I use a conference room to hold a Bible study. Um, and I had to ask the senior leadership group. And the only point is this, 
you don't know until you ask. <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, the thing that seems uncomfortable or strange, or maybe this doesn't fit in this space, uh, we talk ourselves, we can talk ourselves out of it. The positive thing here is I ask, my, my whole motivation is you have to tell me no, but I won't tell me no for you. You will tell me no because I'm going to ask and I will let you tell me no, but no badgering, but you just have to ask. And so I asked, they let me have a Bible study um, on uh, uh, Wednesday mornings. I would hold a Bible study uh, in, in my comfort space. They, uh, they asked me not to publicize it uh, in a formal way, but I could talk to people, whoever I was talking to, and if they wanted to come to the Bible study, they could. And then I did that for about a year. Uh, and I had good participation. Um, even the person I reported to, uh, the, the, the chief financial officer, she would come. And, and some of her other folks from finance would come. And then some of the people from the IS would come. And then some of the clinical leaders would come uh, and, and members of various teams. And so we, we, we had Bible study. Uh, and, and the thought and motivation for that was, where am I spending the majority of my time? Well, it was at work. And I wanted to be able to to do the work of the Lord, even while I was at work. I, I wanted to be able to affect the, that work. I think that was the only way I could feel like work had more value than just providing a means to pay bills and, and, and survive in, you know, in this life, but rather to, to be able to share the message. Um, and that's what we did. Now, uh, and, and you, I, I know you've done it, but you need to share that with others uh, there in your congregation, anybody that will listen to you and say, look, Sometimes people say, "Well, I don't, I don't know anybody uh, that that's not a member of the church, or I, you know, uh, I I don't know anybody to talk to." And we just pass by so many every day, right? And uh, got to put that old antenna on, or whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, I, uh, before we get into what I call the one thing, I do want to take just a second because I, I made some notes. Uh, something that you'd said when we talked earlier uh, about new Christians. Uh, somebody that's a new Christian, uh, when they come into the group, they bring a lot of baggage with them. And you remember us talking about that? Yes. And then of Christians uh, in a group, when they see a new Christian come in, the attitude that's needed by the group to understand that this person, maybe all they've learned is enough to obey the gospel. And they've got a lot of changes that they have to make. And maybe just address that a little bit. Is there anything that you guys do in particular for a new Christian that's come into the congregation there at Low Country? Yeah, we certainly reiterate what you just said to, to, to the members. And many of the members there are, are people who came out of the world and they obeyed the gospel. So they know. And, and they still see themselves very much as growing. But, the, you know, the element is just it takes time. And, and, and everyone knows that it takes time. And you have to sort of... Make sure you're teaching that. Um, I, I love to teach about Peter um, because to me, he becomes that great example of where time sort of was the, uh, the gift that was given him. Uh, not just him, of course, but he becomes, you know, sort of that a good example because, you know, Peter made a number of mistakes, even as an apostle, even being, being with Jesus, not just denying Jesus. You get to Galatians, you know, Paul says he had to withstand him to the face because, you know, he acts out the part of a hypocrite. And his growth, did, was not a reflection of his faith um, because we see him standing up in Acts chapter two. We see him going out and proclaiming the message of the gospel. It's just he needed time to get rid of some of the stuff, the bad stuff, 
that just doesn't go away when you go down into the water grave of baptism. You rise to walk in a new life, but that's up to, to begin a new life. It's not as if you've been living this new life all along and someone has to give you time to get there. You need patience, you need understanding. Um, and, and, and we need not be too, and we talk about this with the members, don't be too harsh on, on, God's, on God's property, on God's people. It's not your person, this person belongs to you now. <laughs> and, and if God can be patient with this person, then who am I to say I can't be? If God's been long suffering with me, Right, and, 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 and so we talk a lot about going back in your memory. When, when Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I take that to mean not that he's actually forgotten the past or what he's gone through, but rather he's not, he doesn't place any stock, any value in those things. He gladly gives those things up for, for Christ, but he still remembers those things. And that's clear because he continues to repeat his story over and over again throughout the course of the New Testament. And he's telling people what he went through. He told Timothy, you know, what he went through. Now, when we see it repeated in Acts, uh, and he tells, he is he, before these leaders, and he talks about what he went through. The reality is he never forgot where he came from. And I think that's so important for us as we deal with new Christians, not to forget that we were exactly where they were. One, two, in fact, they may actually have been in a worse predicament, which is all I mean by that is, here's a person that may have been in the, in, in the muck, in the mud and mire, up to their neck. It may be I was up to my knees. And so uh, my ability to come out and change may be a little bit quicker because I had a few things less to give up. So what about the person who's dealing with addiction? What about the person who has fully given their lives over to sin, and now they're trying to come out of that? It simply takes time, and we just have to make sure we give people time. How many times have I said, wow, in this interview? Uh, good, really good. I, uh, you know, um, we, we close every interview out with what we've started calling one thing. Um, with all, uh, we haven't had time to, I wish we could keep going. But uh, so I'm listening to this. I'm somebody, you know, hears about leading others to Christ, and I come on, and I'm watching this and listening to this interview with, with Nick Wichard and I go, wow, that is so good. And, and, and I'm motivated now to want to get involved in evangelism. And maybe I, I don't know how, or I'm scared or, you know, what, it, what, what would be one thing that you could suggest to our audience that someone could do or, you know, what, what would be one thing that I could do to get involved in evangelism? What do you think? The, the thing that comes to my mind, and, and this is something that uh, within recent months uh, I've been doing, it seems to be somewhat effective is I took a few steps back and said, sometimes what happens in evangelism, we focus on sort of the end. I wanna talk about what your person has to do to be safe. And there's less conversations, less dialogue about the thing that actually saves you. And so I've taken a step back to, to, to focus on Jesus. Uh, and, and so the, my manner now is simply to ask a person, can we sit down and talk about Jesus? What I've found is that the person who is religious that's not offensive to them. It's not attacking to them. And they're happy to talk about Jesus. And so we can have a dialogue around Jesus. I call it the Jesus of the Bible. I think there's the thought that everyone knows who Jesus is. Well, they don't know the Jesus of the Bible. And so what we should be trying to convey 
is the Jesus of the Bible. The reason why this has been, in my opinion, somewhat effective is it allows you to start where a person is and to preach Christ. And we see that as a matter of pattern. You know, Philip started where the eunuch was and he preached on Christ. Uh, you see, Paul, when Paul goes to, to uh, on Mars Hill uh, in Athens there, uh, he does not start in the Old Testament. Uh, he picks up where they were. He says, I even saw an inscription to an unknown God. So here's some people that believe in, in some pagan gods. And, and the one that was closest to the true God was the one that had this inscription or label as unknown. And that's where he started. And he began to preach to them Christ. I think that just wanting to have a conversation with your neighbor, with a friend at work, just to talk about Jesus is an excellent way to be able to start there. And if there's a need to go to the, to the Old Testament, you can show that the Old Testament talks about Jesus is coming. And you can show all those passages. The Old Testament talks about Jesus. If, if you're talking about the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, well, that's Jesus is here. If they want to talk about the crucifixion, let's talk about the crucifixion. And what does that mean? Because that's sort of the power, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what I want to talk about. Yes. And then uh, the last thing we talk about, once we understand Jesus and what he did, uh, and once they are very relaxed to the idea that we're going to the scriptures to talk about Jesus, we can talk about Jesus coming again. And what does that mean? for me. And that will lead to what I need to do. That will lead to talking about the church. It will lead to all the other things that often we want to talk about first. I think sometimes we just get the cart before the horse. Oh, you said a while ago that you just wanted to be, a, how'd you, you want to be a Barnabas? You want to be a, <laughs> you know what, brother? You are a Barnabas. I appreciate uh, it, brother. And, and keep, up, keep up your good work. I mean, I, and I look, uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, meet each other face to face. Well, we are kind of face, but not, I mean, in the flesh. <laughs> in person. In person. There you go. Sometime yeah. soon. But I know there's going to be people out here. There's going to be somebody that goes, you know, I need just like that last thing. I want to talk to Nick more about, about that, that, that Jesus, uh, Jesus of the Bible. And maybe I, could they call you or could they, uh, is there a right. way to, call? so what would be the best way to contact Nick Witcher? All right. Here's my phone number. It's eight, four, three, four, five, two, Seven four one eight. I have no problem with anyone calling me anytime or texting. Eight four three four five two seven four one eight. Okay. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for being here today. Uh, this episode of leading others to Christ, and I think you can see why we ask uh, Brother Richard here to uh, spend some time with us today. And uh, we all need to continue to pray for each other and encourage each other. And because as you just said a few minutes ago, that there's, there's going to be that day that there, we're going to hear that trump of God and the voice of the archangel and Jesus is coming. And, and we all need to be prepared and we need to try to help others to be prepared too. So, Amen. so again, thank you, Nick. And uh, uh, tell your lovely bride, hello, and look forward to meeting her as well at some point. And uh, again, keep up your good work there in South Carolina. Thanks, Dan. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.